Podcastle Double Feature, two by Nathaniel Lee, the machine that made clothes and tired eyes and clever hands. Rated R. One of these stories is not like the other. Well, obviously, uh, that doesn't quite work when you only have two to compare. Uh, one of these stories is pretty disturbing. How's that? Hello and welcome back to Podcastle. I'm Dave Thompson, your host and co-editor. Today we've got a very special treat for you. We'll have an incredible feature-length story for you in the next day or two. Um, But first, here's something special. During our last Flash Fiction contest, we bought two stories by Nathaniel Lee. And, well, now we have a chance to bring them before you. They're both Podcastle originals, and they're also both very, very different stories, helping to showcase how versatile Nathan is as a writer. Which, of course, you already knew because you listened to his stories like The Sea of Wives, or Why I Bought Satan Two Cokes on the Day I Graduated High School, or Dragon Slayer, or Engine Song. Yeah, I dig that. Nathaniel Lee is the assistant editor of our sister podcast, Escape Pod, and the editor-in-chief of the Drabblecast. He's had work featured on all three Escape Artist podcasts, and his work published or is forthcoming in Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Strange Horizons, and Nightmare Magazine. We're going to start out with the darker one first, The Machine That Made Clothes. This one is read for you by our good friend, Wilson Fowley. Hero of the Superhero Choir, the Maple Leaf Singers, Podcastle Facebook Curator, and all-around Buttery Man. Or, so I've been told. By Hobson. So, remember, dress for success. And enjoy the story. The Machine That Made Clothes, by Nathaniel Lee. He stood in front of the machine that made clothes and fretted about his options. He already had a fur suit, a carpet suit, and a brick suit. Everyone had a water suit. It was practically cliché. The wood suit hadn't made it out the door. Splinters. Last week he'd made a Pop-Tart suit for a lark. That had been popular, but he couldn't go back to that well so soon. Anyway, it had smacked too much of the bacon suit fad from last year, and he'd had to shower for an hour to get unsticky afterward. He'd even done a suit suit, which had helped keep his reputation for the sartorial avant-garde. Harriet, their aging basset hound, shuffled into the bedroom and plopped down beside him with a grunt. He patted her head and she fell promptly asleep. He looked at Harriet and pursed his lips. The jacket was a smash success. It was soft and brown and terribly soulful. All day long, everyone found excuses to pat him on the back or the shoulder without knowing why. He barely got any work done. They were nearly lining up just to sit with him at his desk and talk companionably about nothing. It was a triumph of fashion, which only made the problem of tomorrow worse. He tried to divert the escalation with a window-pane suit, daring but relatively safe. 
Unfortunately, not only was it intensely uncomfortable in his most sensitive areas, but Veronique, in accounts payable, had somehow managed to lure a puma into her machine, and the odd murmurs of appreciation, from a safe distance, were like lemon juice on his abraded skin. The next day was Friday. He'd have to do something big to wow them and leave them talking all weekend. He was surprised to find that the shirt his wife turned into, though pale peach in color, was simmering with rage. He had come to think of Nadine as a supporting character in his life story, a spear carrier who murmured vaguely to him in the mornings and stole the blankets at night. They hadn't made love in months, but he'd assumed that was normal once he'd been married a few years. Now, as people backed wide-eyed away from him or coughed nervously when he spoke, he wondered if perhaps he'd missed something. It made an impression, though. They'd all remember this one. What to do for Monday? Melody was only eleven years old, but she was a thoughtful and mature child. He remembered she'd been a peaceful baby, sleeping through the night at only three months old and rarely crying. He'd used to read her stories before bedtime, though at the moment he couldn't recall any of them. She'd never complained either way. She watched the world through her dark eyes and sometimes smiled at nothing much. She made a beautiful necktie, white as ivory and glinting with hidden patterns as it moved. When he finished his PowerPoint presentation at the quarterly sales meeting, everyone in the room had tears running down their cheeks and could not say exactly why. He stood in front of the machine that made clothes. It was quiet. The machine hummed a little song, and he hummed along. Slowly, one by one, he donned the garments he had made. The fire suit crackled. The dollar suit crinkled. The frying pan suit weighed him down. He stroked the soft arm of his brown jacket, fingered the collar of his peach shirt, and tightened his ivory tie. He gathered himself and jumped. And welcome back. Ouch. Oh, that's a really not nice jacket. Okay, take a moment to catch your breath there, find your happy place. Maybe change out that really disgusting corporate suit into some comfort clothes. No dead people, okay? Take your time because we're going to switch gears to something maybe a little more whimsical, a little more lighthearted, maybe a little more sweeter, though I should warn you, appearances can be deceptive. Our second story is Tired Eyes and Clever Hands, and it's read to you by our associate editor, LaShawn Wanick. Now, get ready to make some magic and enjoy the story. Tired Eyes and Clever Hands by Nathaniel Lee The brindle tom woke after Ertie had already finished her eggs and was on her second cup of coffee. He swung down from his nest in the rafters and slid along the ropes to the table. Ertie pushed the plate of bacon toward him. I had a dream last night, he piped, plucking a bacon strip up with his clever forepaws and gnawing on it. Do tell, 
Ertie said, somewhat blearily. She was considering a third cup of coffee. I dreamed that I was a man accursed, trapped in a hideous mannequin body, and bound to a cruel sorceress who had promised to help me, to return me to my place in my true form, but upon whose pleasure I must wait and serve in the interim. I dreamed that my servitude would have no end, for I was sworn to her unto death, and she would live for ever. Erty chuckled. What point is there, Brindle, in dreaming things are as they are? While I dreamed, the Brindle Tom said, peering at his black, veiny hands, I could pretend it was not true. Well, you've dreamed enough for today. We have work to accomplish. With me to the circle. Erty stood and made a gesture with her fingers. The brindle tom cringed and followed. All day they worked spells for Erdy's clients, rich and poor alike. Erdy charged not in money or provender, of which she had all she had wished, but in more esoteric coin. This man she charged for seven days of his lifetime. That noble woman she would not serve for less than her three happiest memories. These ragged urchins, she asked only for one secret apiece. Later, she would trade for even more exotic goods, for in the worlds beyond the world, there were beings which intersect with time and space in bizarre ways, to whom an unsullied moment was a fortune indeed. The brindle tom, with his quick grasp and wide, three-ringed eyes, was by now adept at the workings of power. He caught Erdy's threads and tied them off as she danced on around the circle, and he caught and returned her shuttle as she unplucked the reel and wove it through with dreams and shadows. At last, the day's work was finished. Aching and exhausted, they each sought their rest. Erdy opened a musty tome while her tea steeped, and the brindle tom clambered back to his perch to sleep. When his reedy snores filtered down to her, Ertie quietly set her book and her pose aside. Despite the pain that flared in her every joint, she sketched a rapid and silent dance, lunging to catch her own threads and weaving her shuttle slowly and awkwardly. May he never learn the truth, she whispered, and if he must hate me to hope, then so be it. With a flick, she sent the spell of pleasant dreams, the only spell she had found that had provided any relief at all, up to the feral smelling rags of the brindle tom's nest. And welcome back. Oh, surprisingly touching and a sad little character piece, huh? Also kind of inspiring and hopeful. Little friendship. Well, that's a lot to get in in 500 words, I have to say. We hope you enjoyed this pair of extra stories. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back very soon with our feature episode, a story by Tina Connolly that you're not going to want to miss. Thank you so much for listening. 
Now, might I recommend putting down that suit of bacon and replacing it with one made of wonderful ice cream? Oh, bacon ice cream. Well played, well played. We'll see you soon.